welcome to Media Plus with me, Charlotte Henry. Uh, it's a new podcast on the Mac Observer. We look at digital media and Apple in that kind of world. And today, I'm really excited to be joined by Zoe Kleiman from the BBC. She's a, a tech reporter at the BBC here in London. And uh, neither of us have been to CES this year, but there's been a lot to discuss and there's a lot of different uh, issues to get into. So I'm really glad that you could join me, Zoe. Hi, thanks for having me. So... We thought we'd do a little bit of inside baseball today because journalism, it's fair to say, in the last 10, 12 months has looked a bit different. The fact that we're both doing this from our home, you're not in a Swish BBC studio, tells us that the world is a little bit different. How, just for listeners who maybe don't know how or wouldn't have had to worry about how a newsroom would work, how, how has that experience been? I think what was amazing was how quickly it happened. Yeah. You know, that suddenly... It was fine for, and indeed expected, that you would be on the national news from your living room or, you know, recording audio under the duvet in your bedroom. Now, if you are a sort of oh, job reporter... Oh, now the secrets come out. Oh, yeah, well, you know... Yeah, you've been hiding um, in your clothes, walking wardrobe or something, have you, with a microphone? <laughs> I wish I had anything as grand as that. <laughs> um, I think, you know, as a jobbing reporter... I'm kind of used to to doing things like that, to filing wherever I am. You know, you're thinking about trying to get the best sound. You're you're sort of thinking about your surroundings. If you're doing a live for TV, what does it look like behind you? You know, what what um, you know? You got any children going to come dancing into the room? Yeah, I mean, generally in the old days, they they weren't in work with me very often in the BBC newsroom, and now I feel like I'm only ever alive away from uh, my children becoming stars of of the show alongside me. But actually, to be fair, they also have adapted really, really well, and they understand now. You know, they're only small, but I've sort of said, "You've got to be ninjas." You know, when Mummy's doing the news, you've got to be a ninja, and you've got to be super <laughs> yes. silent. And they have got it; they're really good. And um, horribly helped by the fact that they've got tablets and they go upstairs and play. I'm sure the most awful freemium games they can possibly find, and I don't know what listen, they're doing. Listen, wait till you get that bill from whatever app store they're on. You'll soon find <laughs> out. Yeah, I, I'm sure that is only a matter of time. But I guess, you know, that kind of pivot from, no, we want you in the studio to actually, no, we need you to be at home and we expect you to be at home happens very quickly. And I think the audience also was very tolerant of it, weren't they? You know, it's become a funny thing to look at people's bookcases and to yes. sort of get a little insight into their homes. And and there is a part of me that sort of thinks we'll, I never we'll be expected... zooming in on the one behind you, don't worry, so. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, you can have a look. There was a part of me that was like, you know, this is my, this is actually my home. This is my, this is my lounge that you can see right now. And I never intended it for it to be a TV set, right? So I've got these fairy lights behind me. I just like them. I think they're pretty. I have them up all year round. I've had them for ages. And then suddenly I've got people commenting on whether or not they like my fairy lights. And a bit of me was like, well, do you know what? It's not like I've gone into work and put them on Hugh Edwards. You know, this is my lounge and my wall and they're staying. <laughs> I mean, I have so for our American listeners, Hugh Edwards is a wonderful Welsh BBC newsreader, news anchor. Uh, yes, here he's, a, he's an icon. Very iconic. The idea that him or one of his colleagues, Simon McCoy, would have fairy lights on them is just a thought we can all enjoy. As a, it I would be I, a hard sell. It would be a hard sell, admittedly. But, you know, it's I kind think of it would weird get a lot how, of viewers. <laughs> I'll suggest it. It's kind of weird how suddenly people feel like, you know, that they, they can comment on my decor. Yes. And I'm, I'm getting affronted by this. And actually, to be fair, it's, I'm presenting it to them, aren't I? You know, here yeah. it is. It, why, why should you not comment on it? But this makes me think of something quite 
I find interesting anyway, that actually kind of, as you say, jobbing reporters, as you described yourself, are have sort of ended up dealing with the same aesthetic and the same issues as kind of social media influencers, where everything is about how their home looks, how their life looks. And that, it just occurs to me that's quite an interesting kind of kind of collision that's happened over the last few months that actually suddenly, you know, in the way that influence wanted to let you into their life and reporters always like, please go away. I'm not in the newsroom anymore. And now actually no, neither group has a choice but to do that. Yeah. I mean, this has become my studio. Right. This room, you know, has become my studio. And, um, it was never intended it's kind of I mean what you can see and what I can see I've got this this laptop I've discovered the perfect height it's on three different boxes one is a box that my child's scooter came in one is a um an advent calendar that had little bottles of gin in it more of that later and then there's another sort of little box that it sits on and this is the perfect height and I've got like a an angle poise you know looking at me and then all around me that you can't see is the detritus of my family home (laughs) if any studio manager worth their salt would have an absolute fit if they walked in here but it is amazing how the media industry has adapted to things and it's actually the news has adapted in a way that big budget streaming just hasn't been able to so what yeah I mean you could pick whatever streaming platform you wanted really and you would find a show that has been delayed held up still not happening having to be redone because because they simply can't get people on set um and there was a funny thing uh here in the UK with different the sort of extent soap operas were going to to keep people safe and there was all sorts of it, I think there was included it might have even been EastEnders on the BBC that involved actually bringing in actors partners for kissing scenes and stuff so that they weren't kissing someone outside their bubble whereas actually the news you're kind of just like okay I've got a mic I brought my ring light off Amazon like everyone else here I go I mean, I think there is a sort of expectation, you know, I'm a journalist, I'm not an actor, I'm I'm not an influencer, you know, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to give you Hollywood production, I'm just trying to tell you what's going on. Yeah, but equally, even even with um, with that sort of, I, I hope lower and more tolerant expectation. Um, you know, I've got bird's nest of hair because <laughs> I don't know how to do my hair. It turns out, um, and that sort of, you know, but but it doesn't matter. I, I'm I think... not employed because I've got good hair. I'm employed because I'm a a, report, a decent reporter. I hope you know who who can tell people what's going on. Well, one, I think I... your hair is fabulous, and two, I think <laughs> the one thing we have learned from the last few months is that the absolute backbone of any media industry, particularly the TV news industry, is the makeup artists. Oh, yes. It's, it's been an interesting experience, hasn't it? Who are seeing the attempts Heroic, I think, is downplaying Absolutely. what, what and they I do. Think, in know, what I personally have learned as well is, um, is actually the little, little things that you do for TV that I have in all honesty, taken for granted, my whole career are really hard to get right. So I did a story a couple of months ago, I could do the video about this uh, packaging scam that's um, mm. that's targeting people who are Amazon customers and that stuff arrives that they didn't order. And it's, um, it's all part of this review scam. Yeah called brushing and it happened just as lockdown hit and they wanted this video and suddenly I couldn't do anything nobody could come and film me I couldn't go and film anybody else um I'd managed to do a couple of interviews I'd gone into work to do a couple of interviews so we had those in the bag and they'd been filmed at work at the BBC so they looked 
decent um but the rest of it was down to me and I we, we it was so simple you know we were like we've got to keep this really simple and I filmed some packages uh, I tried to do like a, a you know a locked off shot of packages mounting up on the doorstep and then ringing the doorbell it took me about two hours you know to yeah. get it right because actually it's really hard and you've got you know I'm doing it on my phone as well I've got a tripod that's a bit flimsy so it's kind of waving in the wind a bit and then get turns, you know, it, I, turns out being a cameraman's also difficult well you know it turns out that trying to ring a doorbell and keep your hand steady enough to ring the doorbell you, you can't oh, do that yeah. it took me so long and you know I was like it take, this takes a camera operator 10 minutes you know yeah. and and here I am too as I said I'm getting really cross with it and I'm sending it to my producer and my editor and I'm like oh, it's okay do you think you can do it again I'm like oh I don't want to oh, do it again no. <laughs> and that was just a tiny you do it like, five seconds yeah. yeah you go and do it that was just a tiny kind of in the end it was you know I think it was five seconds of footage it was nothing and and yet somebody who doesn't who doesn't know how to do it professionally and also obviously I don't have that kit you know I'm not a yeah. camera operator I don't have all of the all of that kit so I'm I'm using what I have and while the tech is good uh the uh, as as ever it's the operator error that lets you down yeah, isn't yeah. it <laughs> and again it leads to a couple of points one all I can think of is you know, YouTubers and now people on TikTok and those kind of things who do seem to pull off these amazing production values, people who are certainly, you know, worryingly much younger than me and um, seem to be pulling off these quite technical bits of editing and production. And you're just like, how? And you're right, you know, when I do videos for here at the Mac Observer and stuff, you end up fiddling around with all sorts of things. And actually, whether it's an iPhone or, you know, rival models and stuff, they kind of, we've all kind of expected to become camera operators. And it's, I think that is one of the things that is just never, that's never going to change now, is it? I think, you know, make whatever you want to think about this sort of the influencer crowd and that industry, um, what they're producing is is a full-time job um I don't know if you know any I've hung out with a couple and you know they'll spend two and a half hours getting the right shot and that shot will be amazing and and won't look necessarily polished but is and you know oh I had one friend here you know I was taking photo after photo and I'll oh, do another one do another one and you're going oh, you know the last one was fine but they've got really high standards and they do know what they're doing. And I think you're right. You know, the rest of us are kind of catching up because um, camera phones are really good. You can take a decent photo with with almost any high-end medium, even upper end of the low-end phones. You know, you'll get a decent photo. The, the camera, the tech is, is there, isn't it? Yeah. But it's everything else that goes into it. And it looks easy, but it isn't. No, and Apple, I mean, when you talk about the actual hardware, Apple makes a big play of there was just a video the other day of you know young filmmakers basically with a couple of decent tripods and I think they were using a 12 Pro or 12 Pro Max iPhone 12 Pro Max basically making very very high quality shots because they were the kind of operators that knew how to get the best out of that you know whether they were doing stop motion animation or running around with out in the wild those kind of things um uh, it'll be interesting to see actually and I, I suspect we know the answer whether those themes continue I would as uh, you know there's so many for example you report on tech for all different aspects of tech and actually 
I, I wondered, there are so many tech YouTubers and tech influencers. Do they, do you see them almost as a direct competitor to the output you're putting out? Or is it all just part of the same ecosystem, just trying to give people information? Um, yeah, I, I don't see them as competition at all. I mean, I think they have the time and the skill sometimes to do um, stuff that we just wouldn't have the time to do, you know, that they do amazing mm-hmm teardowns of devices don't know i just don't i think it would be very unusual for us to be able to do something like that it would be a huge production um i think that i think that we all have very different audiences you know the bbc is is a mainstream um uh broadcaster and we have a very large but very mainstream audience. Like my yeah. mom isn't going to watch a teardown of the latest Samsung, you know, but she, she's interested enough to know the but three things about it that make it different to the last yeah. one. And yeah? that there is a new phone. And that there is a new phone, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so that, you know, more importantly, when one of her mates goes, oh, I've got a new phone, she can go, oh, yes, <laughs> I know yeah. about that. You know, these suddenly, the suddenly these stories are much more interesting to her. But, yeah, the crucial but, you know, she, she's not, she hasn't got that level of interest and not everybody has, but that doesn't mean that they should be excluded. It shouldn't be, well, if you're not going to watch the 40-minute documentary about it, then, you know, yeah. you don't deserve to know anything. The that, person who's from three different us. heights and... Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, those videos give me a panic attack. We <laughs> discuss them on the Daily Observations podcast. Actually, people get like thousand pound iPhones and then drop them from a height, and it just yeah. upsets me quite greatly. I did one a couple of years ago on um uh, rugged phones that they're built uh, for, for builders. Basically, yeah, we went yeah. to uh, we went to a, a friend of mine was building his house at the time, so we went there and we put them in cement mixers and we put them in water and we threw them off the top of this house. Oh. And oh my heart was in my mouth really it you was had amazing. fun though admit it it was incredible and we had with the, when we threw well we kept the we kept the phones running so we had their they were it was a couple of years ago the cameras were not amazing I mean I think that was the thing the sell on these phones was not you know they are for photographers it was like no. they will not break so we had this footage which wasn't amazing quality but was amazing because it was this phone falling off this house and yeah, then this yeah. big splat as it lands on the concrete and then you get me just going <gasps> yeah panicking because normally you do everything not to break the test device so we at the bbc we know we we have to we have to return stuff we're not allowed exactly to yeah i had i had cleared with um with everyone that this was what i was going to do but i still had to ring them up and go <clears throat> would you like them back <laughs> one of them was like i think we're all right <laughs> yeah. honestly you keep the broken uh, exactly yeah. the battered I, shell <laughs> uh, yeah oh my goodness but is uh, it you mentioned a couple of different stories that and some of them have been on tv but the thing about the bbc and obviously you don't speak for the bbc or you know no. you are you are zoe Kleiman, the reporter but they're your stories as a reporter have to appear on a multitude of different digital platforms and that you know it's not just oh you know like when you write for a newspaper you normally write some copy maybe it goes online maybe it goes in the in print maybe it does both at the bbc you might have recorded a camera you know a video like the kind of story you're describing and then it will be accompanied by a write-up for the website some of it and I know there are different teams within the BBC that do that, but a lot of that is down to the individual reporter as well, as I understand it. And yeah, ha- I mean, how does it work kind of preparing, literally preparing this content for different for different platforms? So I can only really speak for myself here, but um, yeah. I have always been 
a multimedia reporter, I guess, kind of before it was fashionable. Um, in, in before the everyone that, else had a choice. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a name for it. But, you know, in, in the sense that I, I would have a story and I would do it for whoever wanted it. So uh, primarily online is always your biggest customer, if you like, because, sure. you know, there's always space for stuff online. And then TV would be TV is is the hardest to get and it's the most effort and it's the smallest in the sense that you know you end up with about two minutes of of, uh, of video um, and in the old days you would just stick that video on the net and go there you go there's a video well that that just isn't good enough anymore you know there's no. diff- very different techniques for storytelling online and storytelling on the telly and um, and so we do it sometimes and we'll certainly clip up something that's newsworthy. I think, you know, the, 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 the difference between us and the influencers, if you like, is like what makes something extraordinary? It can either be because of the high production and the brilliant storytelling, or it can be because it's an incredible bit of footage, you know? Yeah. And some of the most astonishing, that we call it the moment when videos, you know, yeah. some of the most astonishing videos will be caught on someone his hand is shaking because something's happening in front of yeah. them and they're running away or they're about to run away or they're just watching something so astonishing like um oh I don't know in the summer I think it was was it was it the summer that oh, sorry time is like yeah, <laughs> going into <laughs> one for me but whenever it was we don't worry um, about time on this show was, it's <laughs> it's timeless whenever this thing happened yeah. um there was a ferry that uh, no, I don't even think it's fair. The massive cruise ship actually that yes. went into the hall. Do you remember that? And that was the most extraordinary bit of footage. It was only fifteen seconds, I think, and it was not well yeah. shot. Particularly, I mean, well done to whoever did it. But you know what I mean? It, there didn't yeah. have to be a cameraman capturing that. It was yeah. whoever was there. Civilian. But the most extraordinary footage and told that story. And so it didn't matter. Nothing yeah. else mattered about it. So um, you know that is always going to get on, isn't it? Yeah, and we've always had things like this with kind of natural, you know, natural disasters. And there's always, you know, the person who's there waiting in their home as the hurricane strikes and those kind of things have existed for a long time. But you're right, the the process of presenting that and producing that for a whatever platform is different. So, you know, the words you would produce to that are different to the video. Oh, and- yeah, sorry. I completely not forgot what we were talking about, didn't I? I got so distracted by cruise ships and walls. So, yeah, just to, to sort of round off, yeah, so you're different storytelling for different platforms. So, you know, TV is 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 uh, very tight discipline, but you need a lot. You need a lot of pictures. You yeah. always need more footage than you think you need for telly. Um, radio is much more conversational, like we're chatting now, but you're... Yeah. You're cre- you you have to create the picture. I can't show you that video of the mm-hmm. ship hitting no. the wall. I've got to explain to you what it looks like. And so it's it's more kind of evocative, I guess, um, and requires a different sort of narrative. You know, you would never you you wouldn't you you wouldn't bother. I wouldn't sit on the telly telling you what that ferry looked like. I would the, the cruise ship. I would just go Here's the picture. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to do both. You know, but you need to do one or the other. And then online is a kind of hybrid of that, isn't it? But then when you look at how people behave online, what do they do? They either read or they watch video. They don't tend to do both. If you put a video in a story that's written, you'll find it won't get well watched because, oh, I don't that's know, interesting. because you know, and, and then of course video online is, um, is, is kind of harder to, it's harder to snack on, I think, isn't it? I mean, look at what's happened with Quibi recently. You know, you want oh, to Quibi. It's, it's much easier to scroll. It's much easier to to skim read. You can, you know, you can you can kind of do that much more 
on a video uh, on an online written story than you can in a video and I think you know you only have to look at how these YouTubers try desperately to monetize by making their videos really long and all that happens is that everyone's sort of going through that time like where is the bit where you know you tell me how to put that nail in that wall I don't care about the preamble I know what you're doing but you know I need the bit yeah I want the two minute version not the 25 minute version I'm so pleased you mentioned Quibi I feel like it hasn't got enough attention since this show started it's a it holds a special place in my heart because I feel like the whole of this kind of pandemic process of I've reported on the rise and fall of Quibi and now so I'm very pleased you mentioned it but uh, and then you (laughs) you should get you should get a golden arm as a a reward I think for for covering it from start or for just remembering that it (laughs) existed um (laughs) And yeah, and to, you know, TikTok is the same kind of thing. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, Twitter, Short social video. media, all those kind of things is exactly the same. Um, and we were just talking off there because you've done some reporting recently on WhatsApp, obviously yeah. owned by Facebook. There's been some controversy here in Europe over the new, you, the fact that uh, Facebook is you know, the two platforms are becoming more integrated, which we were always told wouldn't happen because WhatsApp had pretty good end-to-end encryption that worried people. And, uh, you know, people then all moved to Signal and Crash Signal. But there was another element, actually, we were discussing with WhatsApp that you kind of uncovered in your reporting, which I think we don't appreciate in kind of the US, the UK as much, which is how, for lots of people, WhatsApp is their new service. Yeah, I think... In lots of different countries. Yeah, culturally, we use WhatsApp really differently in different countries around the world. And um, it's been really interesting to me. I mean, you know, my own experience is it's quite a personal uh, platform in that I have small groups, you know, I have, I'm I'm a mum, you know, the mums in in my kids' years at school, we're all in a WhatsApp group, you know, the neighbourhood has a WhatsApp group Um, and it's small, I've got a family one, you know, they're they're all small, intimate and I know, I know all the people or most of the people that are on there. Whereas in South America, in, in Brazil, for example, you know, WhatsApp is like a, is like a, a channel, I guess, in itself, um, you might join a WhatsApp group based around your political beliefs or, um, you know, a group, a, a pop band that you like or whatever. And there'll be thousands and thousands and thousands of people on this group with you. And they'll, and you'll all be talking and sharing information and chatting and wh- whatever it is, you know, about, about your common interest. And, and of course, everything else that springs up around that is a community. But it's become, as a result, much more of a kind of broadcaster, if you yeah. like. You know, um, we talk a lot about how it's a big concern uh, how it, misinformation and fake news spreads within messaging platforms like WhatsApp that are encrypted because, of course, nobody can see them, right? You know, Yeah, it's reliant on people pushing back at things. It's much you know, more someone, hidden. Someone else in the group knowing that, what that what is right and what is wrong and pushing back at their peers their friends or as you describe in some places people they would never have met ever yeah exactly and um and and therefore whereas on facebook it might like you know you might see something pop up in your feed but it will be labeled with a thing saying we don't you know find out more about this or this isn't true or whatever you know you it's harder for whatsapp to do that i think um 
I mean, anecdotally, I've noticed a couple of times there's a, I, there's a lot of memes and stuff flying around for me. And, you know, sometimes something will get forwarded and there'll be a little note saying this has been forwarded lots of times. Yes. They and you kind of think, OK, but that. that's the only clue that they're able to give you because, of course, they can't see what it is. No. So um, I think, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see what's used as a, as a news channel and as a broadcaster in in the way that, you know, here in the UK, I don't think we are there yet. I don't think we do that quite no. so much. But, of course, Facebook's already said, you know, it's pushing this kind of privacy first. Ironically, some people might say, but it's pushing this privacy first thing. It wants to get people on messages. It wants to get people talking in small groups, um, which is great for privacy, but then there's an awful lot going on that, that that nobody knows about, you know? Ah, yes. Facebook, that well-known proponent of privacy and security. Hmm. Uh, well, <laughs> um, the only thing I should I say I can about say that, it even if you can't. Yeah, you can say, I, I, I don't know. I don't have an opinion about that. But um, I think the only thing I need to say about WhatsApp is all of this debacle about, you know, people coming off it and boycotting and everything else. Um, I've had very long chats with WhatsApp about this. And, and essentially they are saying that they are not, that they are changing their terms and conditions, but it doesn't affect the data that they share with Facebook. So the good news is they've been sharing that data with Facebook for ages. The <laughs> bad news is they're not going to change it. So there's nothing coming up that's going to be any any more intrusive than it currently is. And it doesn't include messages. No. Yeah, because the whole thing that the sell of WhatsApp was always that it's end-to-end encrypted, yeah. which as you, which as fine, you know, if which is great if you are you and I are messaging each other, but actually if you're then sending news pieces maybe from less reliable sources than the BBC, if you're sending, uh, you know, as you say, memes that suddenly be, it becomes just another social media channel and it gets you into the the debate on are these people platforms are they publishers yeah i mean i think moves you much more into that world which is a very you know a a question i've not seen anyone have a good answer to yet certainly not in really i mean how do you please end-to-end encryption you you can't but yeah and the point is that you can't and it's on and uh, you know we've seen different examples of apple dealing with this but whatsapp is a really interesting one because that that clearly is and it's sort of perhaps the much more westernized way that we look for through things that we just say oh it's just your mum and oh you're just sending it to your brothers and sisters or aunts and uncles that are sending you silly nonsense it doesn't matter but as you say if this is news that is being shared with thousands of people most of whom you have no idea who they are the dynamic changes very drastically yeah yeah, it does. And, you know, I don't, I don't have an answer to that, but I think we're going to see this year a, a, a huge change in, in the regulation of social media. And, you know, perhaps we should be asking the question, should that include messaging platforms? Should well? it? Yeah. At what point do you stop being a private messaging platform and become a, a, a social media or a media platform itself? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a huge question we've obviously seen some of that play out in the way that uh, Twitter and Facebook decided uh, that they were not going to allow President Trump to use their platforms in the run-up to Joe Biden's inauguration, all those kind of things, you know, following the, the riots on the, at the Capitol. Uh, so we have seen that we've seen these platforms having to make what you and I as journalists would recognise as basically editorial decisions. Yeah, and, absolutely. 
And it's not yet clear that those people in Silicon Valley are ready to make editorial decisions or because that's not how they started. And it's not clear whether they are equipped to to, to do that. And actually, I think WhatsApp, I, I picked up on a bit in my book on fake news, but actually I think your reporting showed that this has become a much more exacerbated issue and it's only, you know, and... And so, yeah, I think this is going to be something we're going to have to watch in the kind of months and years to come. And actually, I suspect you're right that, uh, you know, politicians and lawmakers in various countries around the world are, are going to start getting quite twitchy about this and start, to, you know, doing the classic politician thing of demanding something is done. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. You know, there's a lot of lobbying going on. The, the social networks are all sort of saying, yes, you know, regulate us, please. But can we be involved in informing that regulation, which is which is kind of the makes sense, doesn't it, for them? You know, of course, it's in their interests to shape this regulation that's going to affect them. Um, but I also think that there, there are just too many examples now of them not being able to manage it. You know, yeah. the, the unfortunate thing is that when something when something goes wrong, it, it it can be catastrophic and and the, the power that these networks have is incredible you know you've got to remember that none of these people are elected none of these people no. are in government of, of any description and yet here they are hosting these platforms that have this enormous world power it's um yeah know, and it's like it's it, it's like the authorities have really woken up to this now and, and said hang on a minute this, uh, this is quite big you know this isn't just this isn't just uh uh you know what was facebook it was uh a thing for for raking girls at college, wasn't it? I mean, it is way beyond that. And I'm I'm sure that 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 was not something that anybody foresaw. No, which which keeps it different from a, to to bring the conversation full circle, which is why it is different from a traditional news outlet, like the one you work for, or, you know, a, you know, a news website, a specialist news website, like the one I work for that, it's kind of just a mix of everything and it's the experience is different for everybody as well. Like the experience, my Facebook experience and my Twitter experience and my WhatsApp experience is different to yours and the information I get. Whereas if I go I hope on, it's more friendly than mine. Yeah. But if I go on the, you know, on the BBC website or, you know, if you go on the MacObserver.com, you see the same stories presented in the same way. So it's certainly democratized media, but it's as as has been clear for quite a while, it's it's changed the dynamics as well. And uh, I think some of that is coming home to roost. Well, I mean, I, I think a really simple, sorry, it is no, please. a really simple analogy for this is, you know, if if somebody writes something defamatory on the Mac Observer or on the BBC we would website. Know, as if we would, Zoe. Well, not, not us necessarily, unless we were having a really bad day. But, um, you know, <laughs> if, if somebody leaves a comment, a defamatory comment on yes. or an insightful comment or, you know, hate speech on either of, of those websites, it would be the BBC or the Mac Observer that would be editorially held responsible for that. And you know, would have the ability to deal with it. Yeah, but neither of them would be able to say, well, we're just the platform. You know, people no. just put comments. We, we don't, we're not in charge of what, of what they say. They're in charge of what I say and you say, but we, yeah. we don't know what our audience is going to say. But actually that doesn't fly. And so if it doesn't fly for us, you know, should it fly for, for, for the social networks? Oh, we will... I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I suspect as uh, hopefully we emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic and begin to look at the kind of 
the world that we then sort of blinkingly step into, I do think uh, the interaction between social media, traditional media and all those things will become a very hot topic of debate in various, as I say, law, amongst various lawmakers and politicians and influential people like that. Um, I suspect if nothing else, they don't really like their power being taken away. So on that intriguing note, I'm going to say thank you so much, Zoe, for joining me. Where can we keep up with you and your fantastic work over at the BBC? So you can find me on Twitter at ZSK and you can find my work on the BBC News website, which is uh, bbc.com slash news. There we go. And I'm Charlotte Henry. You can find me every day over at themacobserver.com. Subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Do leave a comment and like if you're enjoying what we're doing here. We've had some great guests on, including Zoe. Thank you once again for joining me and I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.